Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the LaRouge Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me always is Derek Brissett. Derek, God, we, you know what? I feel like we, we, we do say we always have a lot to talk about, but I am unfortunately not happy about the fact that we have a lot to talk about. I was hoping that we would oh. just talk about the, the, you know, disappointing Olympics and then go and talk about the MLR final. But unfortunately, some big kind of earth shattering rugby cannon news has, has come out since uh, the women bowed out of the tournament and, I feel like it would just be negligent if we didn't do our part and talk about what happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's, I feel like since Thursday, I guess, yeah, it would have been Thursday night. Right. When, but when the women got eliminated, I feel like it's just been, what are we on? Like four or five days of just watching rugby Canada implode on itself. Yeah. Um, it's like, Yeah. As an organization, they cannot like stop tripping themselves up. Oh man, it's it's terrible. It's like you know, it was one of those things, and I mean, we'll get into it mm-hmm. in a bit. But it was one of those things that I was like, I remember a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about like how excited we were about rugby being in the Olympics. If you know, in the event that Canada or the United States does well, which didn't happen in either case. Yeah. for any of the four teams. Um, but we were like talking about like how if they did well, then it's like increased media coverage and, you know, can grow the game on the sport. And then at least in this country, like the biggest rugby Canada story uh, was an absolute disaster. Tire fire. Tire yeah. fire so, so, and just the biggest publicity that rugby Canada got is like just horrendous infighting within the organization yeah um that really boiled over after the women got knocked out of the tournament yeah well let's 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 get into it because again we got a lot to chat about and let's start about the actual performance on the pitch before we into the everything else so the women's sevens uh rugby canada team after being touted as a medal favorite you know, gunning for gunning for gold, uh, finished a disappointing ninth place. Um, they were one and two in the pools, including a match against France where they did not score a single try. Um, you know, grand scheme of things, you look at their pool and you go, okay, well, one of them's a bronze medalist and the other one's a silver medalist. Like, talk about just brutal foresight in, luck in right? hindsight i guess i guess you are technically correct in hindsight um that still doesn't shake my thoughts that they should no it doesn't it, because again again canada was ranked like what second or third going into the olympics yeah they've uh, they finished third of the last two full seasons of the seven series so you know we talked including, about on including our... winning a couple tournaments yeah. along the road too we talked in our last uh, episode about the expectations we had for them. So, you know, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> Which turned out, how fast did that go out of date? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing, right? Is, you know, we're, with a podcast like this, we are, you know, restricted to when we have free time to edit this. You know, poor Derek <laughs> only has so much time. And I was, I, I, I was editing it because I, I watched the women's games like before I well, we watched it. the Brazil game together. Yeah. We watched right the after game we recorded, together. we got right off and um, the three of us watched that first game together and we're like, okay. Oh, yeah. And then, so 
yeah, we got that. And then I watched the other two. So it's like, I was kind of starting to edit it already knowing, like kind of checking Twitter being like, okay, so like China's got to win by like less than 18 watching that game being like, nope, Great Britain's got to lose. Nope. New Zealand's got to win or Russia's got to win or lose by less than 34 and or lose by 34 or more. And they lose 33 to nothing. So I was like, that's when I was kind of starting to edit the podcast during all of that. Yeah. And it was like, and then, you know, just watching and editing it while that happens. And then, um, yeah. Like, yeah, just, just an absolute, just an absolute mess. But I'm like listening to our podcast being like, Oh, watching it, knowing that they're already like eliminated essentially just being like, Oh, we, uh, we do not sound very, we didn't have the crystal ball last week. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about kind of their last two pool games. So going into the halftime of their Fiji game, it was a closer match and then Fiji kind of just pulled away. Um, And then in their last game, it was just France, France, all France. France did exactly what they did all tournament and just shoved it down their throats. But Derek, was there something that you saw in the last two games that really uh, led to them not making the playoffs? And and for me, it just didn't seem like there's any creativity with the ball. Huh, like, they had the I ball. can't. Yeah, like possession was really wasn't there. But anytime I saw Karen Paquin run with the ball, it was like a diagonal line. Yeah, she just constantly just, was just going diagonally and hit someone and hope that. And the other problem was that there they were there would be a, a good line break and then no support. And the other team would turn over their ball. Cause in sevens, it's as long as you got a good grip on it, you're probably going to turn the ball over. Yeah. And that was really, really disappointing to see is that constantly it looked like they're out of shape and like, they were just not able to get to that, that breakdown to keep possession. Like possession was constantly being turned over and it wasn't like, Again, I, I I'd have to look at the stats and I, and I'll look them up right now while we're chatting. But like, I didn't think that they had poor like ball handling ability. I just felt like it just seems that every time that they they had a chance to move the ball forward, they turned it over because of the breakdown or yeah. forward pass or. Well, I, I think I think that's part of the issues too. I think on defense though, like there was a lot of missed tackles. Um, in both the Fijian and the French game, um, I, I was, I was honestly I thought it was kind of tough to watch, and it was like I think I tweeted while it was happening that it was like I think the game against like just I mean we can get into the specifics of maybe what caused it if you want to go with like too many knock-ons, lack of you know solid tackling, um, the defense breaking down quickly, um, in all like it's probably the two worst games I think I've ever seen the women's sevens team play. Yeah. Um, and I don't I don't think that's like I'm like I, I don't I don't necessarily think that's that's a ridiculous statement or like it's I think it's kind of just what happened. Um it, like it was just it was bad. They played they played poorly and um yeah, like like Fiji, you know, F- Fiji kind of running in some tries. That ended up being a great story for Fiji. Oh um, yeah. A team like- team that's not expected to go anywhere. Um, we're the probably, Argentina, like yeah, both probably, bronze medals teams were like, we're great. Yeah, we're great. And and to kind of give you some context about like, you know, team like the ROC finished the tournament with a minus 88 point differential where Canada had a 47 positive. Yeah. Now, granted, um, ROC had to play one more game than, than Canada. Yeah. And, and our ROC just had to, um, 
they 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 made sure they didn't get the uh the that extra minus one at the right time too. Yeah. I think I think that's that's kind of part of the thing is like um I feel like like as a whole, like both the men's and the women's team, like not really that great of own the Olympics. Um the men got to the quarterfinal, but it's like they're one in five, right? Like they lost their next two yeah. games. Yeah, um they... one like it was a one in five tournament as a whole for them. The women's team, like the last two games, when you have medal hopes, I'm sure it's like that is what it is. But it's like, the you know, for a team with medal hopes to not make the quarterfinals is very disappointing. Um, And yeah, man, it's just uh, disappointing Olympics across the board, I think, yeah. really. And um, so another thing, and I kind of mentioned about strategy and some of the things that maybe yeah. we saw with, with some of the players. But another thing that I personally was kind of like shaking my head and scratching it and trying to figure out what was going on was some of the coaching selections to start games. Like, you know, in the first game, uh, you know, it was just Lane Landry wasn't starting the match, Yeah. you know, and then, you know, Bianca Ferrella wasn't starting against France. Yeah. Bianca Ferrella is number three, all time in tries number four, all time in tries on the seventh circuit. Why would you not have one of your best players starting at, basically win and you're in game. And then I, I, I might understand the whole point about Landry maybe needing rest, but that was the first game of the tournament. And also as it, as you can see, tries were super important and it really wasn't until she came on that Canada mm. got their groove going against Brazil. So, you know, you can only blame so much on the coaching because I, you can see it on the pitch. It didn't, matter but it's just that's just another kind of like level to this whole tournament where it's like it didn't seem like anybody including the coaching staff were kind of on their game no yeah um i would agree with that i think with any coaching decision especially from the point of view as podcast folk oh yeah especially um, we've got the power of of hindsight on our side yeah exactly we've got all the power any, any decision any coach any decision that a coach makes that doesn't work probably bad if it did work it was great um so if you want to go with like hey did these lineup decisions work no they they did not um so yeah not not the greatest decisions all right well i I appreciate your level-headedness because we're gonna need it in the next yeah exactly uh pete carroll would have looked like a genius if that pass didn't get intercepted oh boy you know and it is what it is right like as someone did i I go with some deep cuts are you like a big seahawks fan then did i go you know i'm it's Every funny open back then league. back then I did not like the Seahawks, but I am now slowly turning to a Seahawks fan, which is really strange at the end of their kind of dynasty run in the NFC West. I am now turning into a Seahawks. Oh, now that, now that they're not good. Now oh, that they're not good. You are such a Leafs fan, man. Leafs fan. Now, now that you're not, now that they're not good is when you're going to cheer for them. Man. Yeah, right. It's bad. It's, yeah. it's, I have a, I have a problem. I need to start cheering for like championship caliber teams before yeah. we get into the cardboard stuff. Did like you the, see like the London Irish jersey you're wearing there? Right? Oh, this was a this was a gift. Don't don't <laughs> get me started on this. But did you see the All Blacks New Jersey? Uh the All Black like the actual All Blacks, like the 15 aside. Yeah, like they just released a new jersey like today. And oh it's no, like I one of like that. it's like an the, the ocean plastic material, and it's no, sharp. I haven't seen it. And they did this really cool video. It was like them, the like like some of the players from the women's the Black Ferns 15s team and stuff like that. It's nice. It's good. Oh, you're making me want to go look at this now. I know. 
you're, you're trying to you're trying to distract me from the inevitable conversation that we have to have well i, I do God. appreciate that let, you I, know I, what? Let's... I am a i am a kit nerd so i do want to look at this before i uh well, Before you know what? You look it. at it while I uh, kind of give some uh, background of what we're about to start talking. Oh, about. I see it now. Hey, it's it's black. What do you know? Yeah, I know. What do but you they know? also have a white one too, apparently. They yeah, that they never, that they almost jersey. never wear. I know. It's they always yeah. play them against like Tonga or like, <laughs> yeah, Wales sometimes because I mean, they have a black kit too. It looks. It looks. Oh, that's kind of cool. The videos going through like the history of the jersey and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, that's cool. While while he's he's geeking I mean, out, folks, let's. Uh, I'm. I mean, it, it, it's a background. it's a black jersey. You know, I, no, because I, I want to be involved in this conversation. Okay. But I mean, yeah, it's a it's a black jersey. Big ocean. Okay. Yeah, it's a black. It's a it's a oh, it's a solid black jersey. What do you know? Yeah. All right. So, um, you know, we if you're listening to this podcast, the chances are you've already heard about what we're about to talk about. I think that it's safe to say that if you're a Rouge rugby listener, you know about what happened with Jamie Cudmore, but we feel obligated that we need to talk about this because we are a Canadian rugby show. This is Canadian rugby news. And we've this also the biggest Canadian rugby news of probably the entire year. Yeah. And, like and you know what? We've also had Jamie on the show and I feel like we have a part of the story to tell about this, you know? Um, so the night that um, Canada was kind of finishing up their their tournament and um, their their quarterfinal hopes were being kind of blown into the wind, uh, Jamie Cudmore decided to go on to Twitter and tweet some things, which is not a good idea, and we will see why. Um, you know, he said LFG China um, after China won. Karma is a which, bitch. Which, for the context, if you just to reiterate the context of the LFG China, is that Canada needed China to lose, win by less than eighteen, or just outright lose, and China did not do that. They kind of blew out. Who was their Japan. opponent? Was it Japan, Japan at that for the? It was Japan for that game. Yeah. So they kind <clears> of blew out Japan and handedly won, which almost all but eliminated Canada. Um, I, if you followed me on Twitter during that, I was a mess. I completely yeah. multiple times screwed up the math on how good of a shot or what Canada's chances of actually getting the quarterfinals yeah. were. But if you needed the extra context on the LFG China, it's that they basically eliminated Canada. Yeah. And then he said, karma is a bitch. Hashtag survivor my ass. And then I think someone should decolonize ninth place tomorrow. So a range of offensive tweets were, were brought out. Um, Rugby Canada then later released a statement. They, they were aware of the tweets and that they were going to be handling the situation. Um, you know, and it was kind of just this ongoing effort to kind of silence this situation. Rugby Canada mm -hmm. said, Rugby Canada stands with our women's sevens athletes. We support the team and their efforts both on and off the rugby pitch and are proud of the way they have represented our country. We are aware of the recent social media comments made about the team and work to ensure that they were moved as quickly as possible. Our organizational values include solidarity and respect and everyone on our staff is expected to help create an inclusive environment for all. That is going to be a very important part about this discussion, folks, so please <laughs> remember that. We condemn 
Any inappropriate comments directed at the team and our leadership will be meeting to discuss this matter immediately. So after that happened, that was on the 30th at 1226. So that was kind of released early, early in the morning. Yeah, that uh, was. Again, they needed to get in front of this before any was, yeah, got so any worse. I guess he tweeted that at, I guess after the games, after Canada was eliminated. Yeah. Um, Charity Williams posted the screenshot of his tweets, and then like w- when I woke up in the morning, I woke up to there was that one um, CBC reporter that was tweeting out the, the different the screenshots from Williams and the screenshots yeah. from Cudmore. Um, which definitely helped that story blow up a lot. Um, and like, I think like that's part of it. Like this was one of the, the biggest, this was a widely followed like CBC thing for. A yeah. Bit. And again, um, I, I didn't see um, anything I, like he, tw- his yeah. tweets were deleted. I hadn't yeah. seen charity Williams. My first. This is what everyone woke up at rugby Canada tweeted. And then I saw the, the yeah. things from, from that uh, reporter. So. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot. Yeah. So a lot of people, I think on Friday morning woke up to, the rugby Canada statement, especially if you live on the East coast, I think that was like the first thing that you would have seen when you wake up and it just, Oh man, this just completely escalated from there. So Cudmore then tweeted out a very bare bones, classic apology. I would like to apologize for the tweets posted last night. It was an emotional event for a good friend, which the majority of people are assuming is is John Tate, but again, that is only conjecture. We he didn't say outright who it was. I've always p- coached, and I or sorry, I, it was a most of the night for uh, event for a good friend, and I let that get the better of me. I've always played and coached with my heart on my sleeve for this great country. I'm sorry if I offended anyone. So again, didn't didn't talk about the athletes, didn't talk about the topics that he. You know, That's brought up that were so offensive. He just kind of just bare boned. I'm sorry. Uh, so later that night, yeah. Rugby Canada um, announced the decision to uh, remove Cudmore from his positions as the Pacific Pride uh, head coach and also the assistant coach uh, and more direct the the forwards coach with the National 15s men's team. Um. Alan Vanson said, we are taking this matter very seriously and concluded that immediate action must be taken as well as the board chair, Sally Dennis, who congrats, Sally, you're the new board chair. Here is the biggest yeah, firestorm that rugby Canada's had to face in God knows how long. Oh, it's- um, rugby Canada's core values, including integrity and respect must be exemplified in all of our rugby programs. And we are determined to promote a healthy and inclusive culture now and in the future. So that has. Do we keep going with stuff that's still happening? No, because I feel like we need to. We need to talk about need kind of that yeah. all. So um, you know, a few days later, Cudmore released a much more apologetic message and vowed to better himself. Mm-hmm. Which so was... first, bef- before we talk about the community itself and what has kind of happened with them and 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 where is this leading Rugby Canada into the future, I want to know seeing this seeing a uh, an assistant coach of the, the national team Derek and and he's supposed to be leading the future of the men's rugby program yeah. but so how does this make you feel how how do you feel seeing all this stuff oh man i like i'm i'm kind of glad that we're recording this when we are cuz i feel like if we recorded this on saturday it would have just been a lot of yelling 
um, a lot of, yeah, like it's, yeah. I don't know how you aren't, if you are like, like I said, like as a fan, like if you're just not just like, what is, what is happening at rugby Canada? Yeah. You Why know, as an assistant coach, would you go out of your way to not show your support? No, it's okay. for another I think, program. I think, I think like, this is the, the big thing here is I think, I think we have two different conversations that I think have been laid out in front of us. One is the actual content of Cudmore's tweets. And then the other one is the absolute tire fire. That is rugby Canada as an organization at the moment. Yeah. Um, so Cudmore's tweets, I mean, you could probably, he, I mean, obviously he's fired for saying the collection of them. You could probably pick any one of those. As yeah. like there's the there's a, the actively yeah. cheering against yeah. basically your employer to, to, yeah, to that's, fail. That's part of it. There's but the the tweet involving decolonization, which yeah. is in reference to the work that Rugby Canada has done with the All Childs Matter movement yeah. and, and you know the the atrocities that the Indigenous Canadian communities have been dealing with in mm -hmm. the past couple months. And then there's there's his tweet about. Um, about survivors my ass yeah about about the the women's program dealing with kind mm -hmm. of the the bullying um situation with 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 former coach john tate yeah friend of jamie cudmore so you know th those are three different tweets that <laughs> yeah. both that they all bring up their own different situation different. that just yeah. makes people want to shake their heads and it's and you know yeah, it, it, it's 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 mind blo it's mind blowing to see that. Yeah, he tweeted that. In and all it's honesty. really disappointing for me because is, again, we, we when we had Jamie on the show, he was so amazing. He was so nice to us. He answered all of our questions. He was so approachable. And you know what, Jamie Cudmore could still be a great guy. Like this could have just been in a moment of weakness, and he. Hey. he he dealt with the consequences of I think, his actions. Yeah. I but, think, I think that's the thing though, is no matter what, like the tweets are unacceptable, unacceptable, no matter how, no matter how you want to paint anybody like, in a leadership out. position needs to know that. Yeah, like it's, and it's, if this isn't his first rodeo, this isn't his first coaching position. That was something that, that makes this even more disappointing for me because his, his coaching future was so bright and he, he ruined it. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's gone. It's like you said, like, no, like as big of a fan as anyone could be, man. Like it's they're unacceptable tweets. Yeah. Like it's the, that's the, the end. The, yeah, we, like, we got it. I feel and, like and that's kind of like, that's what I'm saying. I think there's two discussions, right? One is the content of the tweets, um, which like you said, is unacceptable. I mean, at, even like thunder rugby and Iroquois roots rugby had like felt compelled to put out statements following what he said. Um, you know, it's, it was, it's, it's horrible. And, I think the second conversation, and like I don't even know how to preface this other than like what the hell is happening at Rugby Canada? Yeah, and, like, and, and sorry, I just want to say one more thing about sure the the Cudmore situation is sure, and it really bothers me that he went out of his way to vindictively bring up the decolonization uh, tweet when his co-coach, the guy that he, that he's been starting to lean on in the Pacific Pride Academy. It's an indigenous, proud indigenous man who is running an indigenous rugby program in their backyard. Like Phil Mack is standing yeah. right next to him. How do you 
think that that's okay? How do you think that that's something that you, you can tweet out there? And you know what? Again, we don't know what type of mindset he was in. We don't know what the situation led to there. So we got to move, move on it, from that. In all honesty, though, it doesn't matter. That's the tweets coming from the uh, the coach account, yeah. right? And it's like... So you're, you're right, um, Derek. This has no kind of... No one was surprised at the outcome by the end of the day. Yeah, yeah and, and the majority of support from fans has been mostly saying, yeah, he probably should have been fired. There are some yeah. vocal minority that say he's a good guy. He's done a lot for rugby. He made a mistake. Like this shouldn't be firing, but here's the thing. Those can be two things. Jamie Cudmore could be a great guy has done a lot for the rugby community and huge made a huge mistake and a flaw in judgment. And who's to say he's not going to do this again. Right? So rugby Canada needed to make that decision and go, can we have him on board knowing that he made these comments about the women's team? How can, how can the women or the future, if, if my daughter decides in the next, you know, you know, she's two and a half. So, you know, Jamie Cudmore might not be part of the program, you know, 20 years from now, but 20 years from now, if Cudmore stayed there and Elliot, my daughter gets good enough to become a sevens player. As a father, I cannot imagine knowing that there are coaches at the program actively cheering against my daughter and her teammates to lose. Yeah. Like, that's not a good culture to set up. And, well, and Rugby Canada, their hand was, 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 yeah. So, yeah. so let's talk about that. Cause I think that's the other conversation that needs to be had is, as I said, what the hell's happening at Rugby Canada. And it's, and, yeah. And that's the thing, right? Is, is people are now coming out of the woodwork. Oh, defending Tate, John Tate, you know, mm -hmm. calling out Rugby Canada about, yeah. about their, oh, it's a mess. their leadership structure. It's, it's it is a mess. Absolute. We've had, you know, we've had and, Jen Kish come out and release a statement after Rugby Canada finishing the tournament, accusing former members and mostly leadership of bullying, forcing their agenda on the rest of the team. And, and I'm, you know, I'm going to read the full, the full statement. Um, yeah. Read, re read what Jen Kish. There are players say, on the current Olympic sevens. I'll, I'll kind of jump in after yeah. you read what Jen Kish had to say. Yeah. There are players on the current Olympics women's rugby sevens team who have contributed to the very same environment. They have gone public with regards to John Tate. There is a false sense of solidarity and unity within the women's program. There are players in the program who have used their position to push their agenda by intimidating and bullying other players to a very frightening extreme point which is why I made my decision to speak out. There are stories that have not been told, voices that have not been heard, and it's my job as a rugby ambassador to truly protect the goals and dreams of Canada's young female rugby players. As it's not my place to tell the stories of those who've been victimized by their peers, I do encourage those in the program to speak up and advocate for your teammates so all can feel safe to have their own opinions, freedoms, and safety to be who they are because that is what rugby is about. You know, and then... To add even more layers of what the hell is going on, you've got former member of the Sevens program, won gold medal with the Pan Am Games in Toronto, um, rugby legend, uh, Nagali Harvey, kind of even come into the and, and say, tell me you want to stir stuff up without telling me you want to stir stuff up. And Jen said, you don't know what I know. And Harvey said, you're right, I don't. Neither does anyone who has read your post. I feel like I just read the teaser of a book trying to sell. I'm 100% for standing up to bullies. Perhaps transparency and being solution-focused would be better than the vague accusatory statements likely to divide. 
Jen Kish has then since gone forward and, and kind of said that she plans on making further statements and, yeah. and, you know, calling, oh, calling certain people out. You know, she even went as far as doing this subtweet, you know, bullies, I know you're who you are and you're right. It is time for change. So, Everything is kind of just crumbling around the sevens uh, team. You know, you've, that was a the former captain, the captain that led them to the bronze medal in 2016. She is a legend within that program saying that there are leaders in that current program that are creating a toxic environment yeah. as well. So, and then James Pritchard, so Canada's men's all-time leading scorer, um, he quote, uh, like quote tweeted Jen Kish too. And um, made the absolute understatement of the year, which was Rugby Canada seems to be imploding, two exclamation marks. And that is probably the most accurate thing that has been said during this entire time. Because um, this, this, is, this has been what it is. It's been we've been watching Rugby Canada implode. And people, implode people are trying top. to make this uh, like a, a, a fight between... Dude, you're either on the seventh team Dude, side man. or you're with John Tate. And you know what, guys? That's what's happening, though. That's what's ha- that's honestly like that. It's it's a hundred percent. It's I think there's a lot of this that like like you said. It's like the the report hasn't come out. The report hasn't come out publicly, right? So it's all is is he shits. shits yeah, he exactly. It's incredibly it's incredibly difficult for people outside of rugby Canada to make judgments and determinations on. At least, like from what I feel, I definitely feel like I do not have enough information to make a proper judgment on what happened. But it is very clear that within Rugby Canada and the greater rugby community, that there's a massive, massive divide based around what happened between the handling of the John Tate and the women's sevens team situation. And it has now got to the point of just absolutely boiling over. And Rugby Canada as an organization as a whole, looks like an absolute tire fire and you know because it's and i think i think that's the whole the whole kind of thing too is you know earlier this year you had you know you know the um the initial complaint i think or the initial public complaint i think came in early february february 5th uh, when they released that they were calling upon an independent investigator to look into the these complaints um John Tate, and that wasn't named. Alan Vanson was quoted by saying, feel free to draw your own conclusions about who the complaint was about, which never tell people to feel free to draw their own conclusions. That's always just a terrible idea. Um, but you know, April 26 comes around. John Tate has to resign. He gets, despite the fact that the investigation didn't, I guess, find any wrongdoing. Um, so he was, I guess, cleared of whatever he was initially said. But Rugby Canada did make the promise too that they were going to update or change their policies yeah. regarding. So I think that's something that people need to. to I'm going to interrupt you, Derek, because this is an important piece of the story. The complaints that the women made, based on the the rules and the um, policies that that were in place when they made the complaints, because it wasn't. It was, it was yeah. the complaints were based on what 2018, 2017. I think it was earlier than that, to be honest. Like, it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think it's even earlier. Like, okay, yeah. So these policies were made in God, 2013. They got yeah. Right. After 
<laughs> this report found nothing happened. They changed, they changed the policy. Yeah. So obviously Rugby Canada has shown that they realized that something there yeah. wasn't right. You know, uh, Alan Vanson went out of his way to say uh, when he was uh, interviewed, um, we were frankly, we were surprised, frankly, when the players voiced their concerns and, and, and from what he saw in the report. So uh, I don't know. We again, we have no idea what everything, what everything exactly what everybody is saying is they're either going off of what they've heard or what very biased people are saying. Like John Tate himself thinks that he's innocent. Of course, John Tate thinks he's innocent because he wants to coach again in rugby. He's going to say that. I think, I think that's that's the thing though. And that's that's I do kind of want to avoid any like speculation and stuff while we're having this discussion. Yeah, of course. Um, because I think that's the thing though. Is that so that right? So that's what happened there. There's a couple statements. So then a couple of days later, the statement that was signed by 37 members of the of the team, both current and present or current and past, was signed um and put up on Twitter. Interesting given who's been tweeting out Jen Kish's name, not on that not amongst the 37. So that, that is, I think a noteworthy piece of information now. Um, but you know, and then you have later, there's an article on May 4th where Tate says that he would be okay with the article coming out in the public in public. And you know, it's, it's like, I just, I just don't know what's going on with like, how bad does the leadership and I don't necessarily mean coaches. I mean like Alan Vanson, the executives about like the non rugby executives, the yeah. people that run rugby Canada, like how bad does the leadership of the whole organization have to be to let this situation get to the point where you have, we're now everyone, the, like we're now completely publicly aware that one, the rugby Canada teams do not cheer for each other. In fact, they're probably yeah. act, they, they, like, at least what Cudmore has illustrated, they act at least actively cheering against the other teams. Um, which is a terrible look to begin with. Like the the visuals now that we have is that yeah, Rugby Canada ha- obviously has a massive divide upon what happened. So now between John Tate and the women's sevens team, so now you have staff Rugby Canada staff actively cheering against Rugby Canada teams, and now and after that you have Rugby Canada staff taking shots at other Rugby Canada staff. You have former players chiming in. You have other former players taking shots back at them. Um, you like, it's, it, you know, I mean, you have other four different former players, you know, lending their support. Um, right. It's just, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. It's absolute, like just a complete tie. Like I said, I don't even know what this, I don't even know what to say, man. It's like a tire fire. I think in, in all honesty, I, I'm, I'm going to say that I am absolutely not a lawyer. I have almost no knowledge of law, none. Um, I have, I like from a legal standpoint, I don't understand why they can't make the report public. I'll I'll admit that. I I don't know enough about law to fully understand. I don't under, I don't fully understand the legalities. I'm not going to pretend to fully understand the legalities of it, but man, you have to find a way to release that report. Yeah. It has to be because it's it's so it, naive. It, it's so naive to think that rugby Canada kind of just went, okay, well, this is settled now. John Tate has resigned. Go about your business. Yeah, like it's it's he's it's not especially it's, 
and and now because wait, he's gonna go back to his rugby back. club, and people are gonna ask him questions. And oh yeah, Dude. social media exists. Rugby Canada. This isn't twenty. This isn't nineteen ninety five. Hey, man, stop living back in those you those can, days you where you're a good rugby team. You can go on Reddit. You can go on Instagram comments. You can go on Twitter comments. You can see Facebook, like, Facebook, everywhere of like everybody's putting the theories out right and it's like you can side with the theories and there are there are certain a lot of comments that are that are meshing a little bit right that are meshing but it's like like i think i think you kind of slightly touched on the point there dan where it was like i don't want i want to hear the non-biased third party give me the facts of what happened because i think now we are at the point um Rugby Canada is probably going to have like I don't even know what like how do you recover from this I have no idea you're probably going to have to restart the whole the whole organization like you're going to have to like restart it from the ground up I mean the like, nice thing the nice thing I mean it's an abomination if you look at yeah I know if you look at the seven the women's program right now they've got a lot of older players in it you know uh, it's, some of the, their leadership team are older so naturally that's going to do it themselves. But you've still got young young players well, part of that no, program that are going to continue the their teams, Dan. I meant restart rugby Canada, like mm. the whole thing, because it's already the money. They don't have the money to start. No, of this course over. they don't. Of course it's... they don't. Of course, but you like on it, like. And, and here, here's the other problem that rugby Canada does. Like even yeah, with I like mean the teams, I the mean, caterpillar it. effect is going to be felt. Where oh. are you going to find these coaches? Where are you going to find these Dude, rugby I... people? Right, like. I don't know where do you find but them it's like i i think that but i don't know but it's like the thing is is what i want to know as a fan and i mean we do this podcast and i mean we sometimes hear more things than the average fan might have heard but it's like as a fan which is ultimately i feel what we still are dan it's just at the heart of it we're fans and oh yeah right and it's like we don't we don't get paid like and i'm just like if the thing that I like love enough to want to start a podcast to dedicate, like if they're going to to dedicate the time to it, um, you know, writing articles, doing podcasts, because this, this stuff can be time consuming sometimes. And it's like, I love, I love the game of rugby. I love, I love Canada. I love rugby in Canada. There's nothing more that I would want to see rugby Canada s- succeed. But I feel like as a fan, it's, if Rugby Canada is going to self-destruct, if Rugby Canada is going to implode, and they're going to have what appears to be, in all honesty, like what appears to be a civil war within the organization, yeah, that's going to lead to one teams not being able to perform on the pitch, because clearly that's already happened, right? The, and you know, just uh, J- Landry talked about that. Yeah. That it's um. But it's not even that. It's like the women's seven team didn't play well. Um, the men's sevens team quarterfinals, but I mean, eh, they were one in five, right? Um, the men's fifteen team we've we've talked about it. They got a tough road to the World Cup. What happens if they don't make the World Cup? Like, where's that money going to go? Yeah, exactly. It's gone, get- man. Like, there's gonna like what happens? And I think my whole my point when I'm trying to say is like, in all honesty, like I think as a fan. Like I said, I want to see facts. If Rugby Canada is going to go to a civil war and destroy 
the and the organization is going to self-destruct and it's going to implode on itself. I want to know why. Yeah. Right now. Don't keep us in the I, dark anymore. Yeah, because it's like, not, it, and, it hasn't served you well. It hasn't, yeah, exactly. And it's, you know what I mean? Like, I want to, I want to know why. And I, I like I said, I want an unbiased yeah. opinion or not even an opinion. Sorry, I shouldn't have said opinion. I want the unbiased facts. I want to see what that report w- was. I want to even see the report on the the thought process that Rugby Canada took that they thought, hey, after seeing the report, we need to amend the policies. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, that, see that's that. what bothers Full me so much. Full transparency. Like this isn't get like what are we what are we gonna do? Like like that one that one t- Twitter comment from or the, from Jen Kish where she's saying that you know she'll make another more direct statement. Like, are we just sitting here waiting for that? Like waiting for her to call out yeah. players by name? Yeah. Right. And then and then and then what? Next week we have the same conversation talking about the players, and then like, hey. Like you know, if those if those players that she call if the, if it ends up happening that she does that or whatever, and it's like I would say I hope the players played those individual players played well because then they're just they're gonna get ripped on, but nobody played well, so they're gonna get ripped on. Um, yeah, right. And See, it's for- it's just it's just gonna get it worse. <laughs> it's gonna get worse and worse. And in all honesty, like I. I do not see how this gets better with the current setup that Rugby that Canada is in. Well, let me tell you, Derek, and I'm I'm looking at this from a perspective of I, uh, you know, I haven't spent a whole lot of time with my local rugby club. You know, we when we first started this podcast, we we covered my adventures back into club rugby. Me sprained my ankle twice, missing out my one week of eligibility. Um, but you know, I've I've kept close with certain members of my rugby community. And I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. Before all of this, and for a long time, the relationship with Rugby Canada has not been good. With with no like day to day rugby play day to day rugby players, and I I, I want to kind of get into this a little bit. Not we're not gonna talk about it long, but and a part a lot of it is based on what you talk about transparency. Why are you charging your athletes so much? You know, why are we not relying on sponsors more for um, the national team to see to see my money that I pay f- to play rugby go to a team that's getting absolutely s- slammed every time they play is does not sit well for me. And and personally, as you know, I don't feel that way, you know, whatever. Um, but for me, this is constantly going to be a problem and it's and. All the other nations in rugby don't care because they're successful. Like the six, you know, the European teams, all the tier one teams don't care because their teams, you know, COVID except make enough money for the program to run. But tier two countries, the contempt, contempt is building because the success on the field isn't, isn't showing up. My cost of living is going up. And if I want to my club and play rugby a good chunk of my dues is going to rugby canada and there's no transparency in how all this works you know i'm sure if if you know they they've they've written you know released certain releases about this and you know again this is not my my view this is you know some of the guys that i've talked with um 
add on to the fact that now we are having all of this turmoil with coaching and and no transparency in terms of what happened with Tate. And now it's just kind of this, this weird situation with Cudmore. It doesn't bode well for those fans that are already so enrooted into the local rugby scenes to see that the national level is just absolutely like a fish out of water flopping around, hoping that no one's going to notice it. It is so bad. It's such a bad look. And you know what guys, guys that are kind of coming just as fans of like rugby Canada or the arrows, it might not bother them as much because the, they're not as so closely involved with, with kind of some of the communities. There are people out West that have had direct relationships with people from the sevens team with John Tate, oh, with Jamie Cudmore. People and this is affecting them personally. Right. Yeah. But for us, you know, that's not the, that's not, that's not the case. It's not a good look as an organization to have so much, so much turmoil. And it's not a good look for all those loyal fans that have spent their hard earned money to support you to not be transparent. And yeah. I think that's really the last thing we, we can say about yeah. this. Because I, I think I'm actually looking at Twitter right now. There's people having conversations about the exact same thing where it's just like, I think I like said, if, if, if rugby Canada is going to have, you know, be constantly imploding on each other, having players, staff, fans divided, taking shots at each other. Um, I want to know what it is that it's about. And I want to know exactly what it is that it's about. And I think, I think like Alan Vanson, you know, there was that article in the Globe and Mail by Nathan Vanderclip, um, where Alan Vanson kind of reiterated again that they don't want to release the report. And honestly, if that report, the longer that report is locked up, I think the worse and worse and worse the situation is going to be. And I all and at some point, someone will say something and it'll get out anyways. So control the way it comes out if you're Rugby Canada and release it and let everyone, you know, because it's like, hold on. I want to find the actual quote that I'll. While you're looking this up, I want to do say something fun. Uh, Jim Stewart Allen, uh, Rugby's Broccoli Boy. He just followed the LaRouge Rugby account. Oh, so, I saw that. Yeah. So, Jim, thank you. Keep dancing. Keep those broccoli crisp. You know, one of the great fans of, of MLR. Great to see. So, we're, we're thanks for following us. On All this. right. So, in, yeah, thanks. <laughs> oh, in, in the, sorry, sorry. I would be much more excited about broccoli if I wasn't in the mood of like we had to talk about this, Dan. Yeah. Um, but all right, so I got the quote. Again, this is Nathan Vanderclip's article in the Globe and Mail dated August 1st, 2021. Alan Vanson quoted. So the lead up is so Vanderclip writes, the organization has no plans to do so in regards to releasing the report. And then Vanderclip's writing is it would not be fair to, and then he begins quoting Alan Vanson the players or the respondent in this case, John to release that information End quote. So Vanderclip writing again, he said it wouldn't be helpful to have starting new quote. Thousands of people read that and make their own determination. 
and I honestly look at that and be like, it wouldn't be helpful to have thousands of people read the facts about a situation that we're already fighting about. It's, yeah, it's, and they're, it makes the me thing that he's head. worried about is that's what they're doing anyways with even less oh, information. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, exactly. So now, now exactly. You have the people that want to support the sevens team making their own conclusions and saying their support that way. You have people that want to support Tate making their conclusions and supporting that that way. Somebody puts a, you know, an Instagram post that has the support for Tate. It gets shared by people. It, it gets shared. Someone puts something else that gets the seventh team. It gets shared. Everybody's mad at each other. Everybody's fighting, you know, chaos, chaos, and probably on field losses are to follow. I don't, because yeah. it's like, it is one of those things, man. It's like organizational culture does start from the top and kind of trickles down to everything. Yeah. And in all honesty, seeing the way rugby Canada has handled this again, as a fan, I look at him like, no wonder we lose. Yeah. No wonder, no wonder. everything. It's, not, it's no wonder we lose. No wonder since 2015, everything has been mishandled. Yeah. You know, no wonder. Player player management, player development. Oh, man. Odd choices for, 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 for matchups with other nations. Like, yeah, everything. Everything makes sense. Everything. Weird, um, weird, weird voting at the election. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Why do that yeah. seem to oh, anger god. a lot of people? Oh my god. Oh, did I just remind yeah. you of something? Yeah. Rugby just... Canada basically ruining a perfect tournament. Yeah. Oh, oh, did I, did I, yeah. yeah. Thanks, buddy. Exactly. You know what? Listen, cool. I, I'm done. I'm done talking yeah, about this. I'm, All I, I want to say is to, to the, uh, the women's sevens team, um, you know, I'm sorry that your tournament turned out like this. You know, you know, just like Laundry said that you know this wasn't a distraction, but it definitely was a toll. I personally don't know what the difference is in I that case. No, yeah, no, it's but just, just like yeah. obviously it was affecting them, and you know what? And then to have a coach then do this to you, but but you that's yeah, but that's that's the whole point though. Is they played they played poorly. Another coach mocked them for it. And I want to know why. Yeah. I want, like I want to, to know why. This so is a message to the, the women's team. Thank you for representing Canada. Thank you for being brave enough to still choose to support those who are in a horrible situation, whether it be um, people of color within the rugby community and all across Canada, and also um, the indigenous people who are, are suffering, suffering, in Canada. So thank you for choosing to support them and use, use your, your spotlight to do that. Um, we really appreciate that. And you represent Canada with pride and we can really, we can't ask for much more than that. You know, pre pre Olympic, you know, goals aside of winning a gold medal, you still represent Canada and we thank you for doing that. That's really all we can, I can say about that. Derek, let's move on because we've got. Oh yeah, you want to move on to some fun rugby? There was rugby. something. Hey, fun. did you crazy concept? Rugby's supposed to be fun. I forgot. Yeah. What it felt like. Yeah. Um. There was a I, MLR I no final. Idea. I forgot what that felt like. So. So there was a MLR final this weekend. Uh, the LA Guillotines defeated Rugby ATL to become the second team to win an MLR championship after Seattle went back to back, winning thirty-one seventeen. You look at the statistics. And I mean, if you look at possession, uh, you know, LA had a 10% mm -hmm. difference, uh, same with the territory tackles, um, rugby ATL made, you know, uh, a little bit more than 10 more tackles 
101 to not 119. Um, lineouts were pretty even. Penalties conceded. <laughs> Rugby ETL only had one more penalty. Um, but you look at the big things. It was the carrying meters, the the line breaks, seven line breaks for LA to one for Rugby ETL. And, and the carrying meters, they had like almost 200 more meters carried. Um, and they kicked a lot more. Um, my question to you is, was this game won by LA or lost by Rugby ATL? Because in my opinion, oh. LA played a great game. Yeah. Like, not Gitto, pure class. That was a fantastic game of fly-off. The whole back line did really, really well. And the scrum really showed up at certain points in the game as well for LA. I just felt like this was not the rugby ATL team that we have seen for, for the majority of the year. I feel like hmm, defense, their, their tackling wasn't great. Um, I mean, I don't have they on the MLR uh, app. They don't show me the, the percent. The percentage was 89%. Both teams were 89%. Okay. So, um, I mean, L- L- Atlanta's had games where they're hitting like 94, 95. Yeah. And they, what, what did they have to do when they beat LA? They were close to 100% with tackles, right? Like they were. Super- oh, no, no, no. They're close to 100. No, they were probably like low 90s, like 93. They oh, just made a lot. They made a lot. They made of- a lot of tackles, right? Okay. Like they made an like ungodly I, amount of tackles. Yeah. But it was also because, kind of like the possession of the territory in this game, they never had the ball in that game either. Yeah. But, but like the big thing was like what they did when they had the ball. Like I felt like I was constantly watching Kurt Coleman and uh, Batista Esquera kick the ball away. Like he was just yeah. kick, well, kick I think... and hoping for something for 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 a turnover in the air or mm. a mistake from the back line from LA. They kicked a lot to Johnny Ryberg, which you know <laughs> that didn't work. Didn't work, and and you know that that, that was a fair strategy. He he kind of has some in, problems in with the ball. I think teams do that. A lot. Most teams do. Yeah, that's do. They just no. It might Johnny be because Ryberg. it's maybe, maybe like I don't think Ryberg's necessarily poor under high balls, but maybe it's just a lesser of two evils between him or DTH on the <laughs> other side. Him or Glenn D- Bryce or Luke Burton or whoever they're going to throw at, at fullback. But yeah, t- teams seem to do that. Um, to be honest, I think I think I disagree with you on this, Dan. I think this is definitely LA LA's game to win. I think LA. I think LA played. The quintessential, I think they played an LA game. And I think the one thing is, is like, we kind of talked about it before how it's LA had one of the league's best offenses and Atlanta had one of the league's best defenses. And it's going head to head, that offense versus defense matchup. The one interesting thing, though, and that you, I think does also kind of come into play here is LA's defense is a lot better than Atlanta's offense. Yeah, LA on right, and that's a, and I think LA's attack. Like you look at the way the tries got scored, Allen did a great job of breaking down that that rugby ATL because early in the game, I thought rugby ATL got off to a great start defensively. They had that one early penalty where Gitto and the Giltinis decided to kick for the corner instead of a prick, a relatively easy straight on penalty kick. Um, they went to the corner and rugby ATL dis- dismantled 
that line out and the ensuing mall and pushed LA out of into touch and got the ball back. And then they cleared. And, you know, I thought early in the game too, the rush defense from Atlanta, they were coming up, they were making hits behind the gain line. A, um, excuse me, LA was going backwards and there was a lot. And then, then John Ryberg decided to fly in off of his wing and Matt Gitto hit him with a nice inside ball. And that's part of the way LA plays, right? That rush defense works because there's an extra guy in that attacking line. And as soon as Ryberg broke through that, there's no one there, right? And Ryberg takes off and he scores um, scores the opening try of the game. And, you know, three minutes later, that was, I remember, I remember, I think, Dan, I think you brought it up earlier in the pod or earlier in a previous podcast, somewhere in the middle of the season, we're talking about how to beat LA's defense. And I think you referenced the play where Toronto kicked over it. Right. And LA, I don't know. And other teams have done that. Right. And it was like, and then this, you know, within three minutes, Matt Gitto's like, I'm going to chip this over the line. If these guys are going to fly up like that, yeah. put it over the line. Adam Ashley Cooper runs in. He regathers. Unreal run. It, a little it's bit. Honestly, of- when you think about that, that uh, Miras, I believe it was either Levis or Miras who scores that try in the yeah. second half of the Fire and Ice Cup that Lasage, uh, Adams kicked it. Lasage yeah. gets it. Yeah. Passes out it's to the, the same wing. play. It was it's the same literally play. the exact same, it was play. The same play. They did the exact same play. They watched. Yeah, it was. They did the same play, right? And it gets it gets through. Adam Ashley Cooper has a bit of a fend, little offload. Ryberg, Ryberg yeah, had yeah, to. He's got Kurt Coleman. Yeah, Poor I was Kurt say, Ryberg had to run over a couple dudes to make Woo! this one happen. <laughs> um, man, Ry- Ryberg, Ryberg's fun. I, I oh my god, I love I it. I enjoy some John Ryberg when he gets the ball. It's like you um, look at him and you're like, oh, okay, so that's that's a loose head. Yeah. And you see him run, it's like, that's not a loose head. <laughs> oh my god. Right, yeah, right. Ry- Ryberg's fun. Ryberg Ryberg's fun, man. Um, and yeah, so it's like they kind of had that and they opened up that rugby ATL defense. Later in the second half, the same thing, man. It's like just oh my god, the hands on LA sometimes. The back line, just honestly, just watching it, just go get out Meeks, Adam Ashley Cooper, DTH. I'm just like, like just the flawlessness that the ball can move down yeah. that LA line um, to DTH. So nice, nice to see the Canadians getting on the board in the MLR final. Um, DTH probably been one of, if not the best winger in the league this year. Um, now he had t- 10 tries in the regular season. He added one in the playoffs here, um, you know, and just just amazing he again played played incredibly well in this game he's great under he was great under the high ball and he said he's back he's back for next season yeah he's back Sweet. so love good love it so excited um well uh, love it yeah if he's not too busy in vegas d um there is a uh there's a tournament you could play in the fall um depending on how uh, i mean i don't know maybe if vegas looks oh, like fun right now, you're so. talking about did I mean, you see like the, the three of them? Did you see the if, three if of them? Michael Jordan can come out of retirement, right? Or like who else is Mario Lemieux? Who else has come did out of retirement? Did you see uh uh Gitto, uh Adam Ashley Cooper, and I think it was Billy Meeks dressing up as like the avatar, like blue avatar P guys? No, I did not see. Oh that. yeah, go to Billy Meeks' Instagram account. Oh, I think right. they're probably it, they're still... probably gonna go to the blue man group, and that's why they're doing it. But like, yeah, it's terrifying. They even it's have like contacts Meeks? in. 
Oh man, I gotta see this. Is it a story or a post? Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah. Um. You listen. I wow. I really enjoyed. It. I think that uh, Poitavin was just an absolute animal. Man, I I, I kind of wish I was on the Giltinis right now for nothing, for no contribution to the game, but just to be able to party. be at this yeah. party in Las Vegas right now. Yeah. Like guys that stuck out to me, Poitavin played really well. Luke Burton was 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 really good uh-huh. too. Uh, at fifteen. Not as like natural position, but he, oh, this he guy's did. dressed up as Power Rangers too. Oh man, okay, I gotta look at this later. We'll look at it later. All right, I was gonna say um, the, the stories are. Oh man, um, what it must know, feel it, like to win uh, internet. <laughs> uh, what it must feel like to win a championship? You know, I, I love myself a good, a good, a good scrum domination. I mentioned it, and rugby ATL scrum's been so good. And you know what? It's too bad. Uh, Connor Keys had a good game too. I think that Connor Keys did have a really good game. He he's at, you know what? I thought we're going to be bringing up, we're going to bring up early. awards next, next week. Um, so we'll talk about him next week, but he had a good game. Yeah. I thought he played. Heaton tried. He tried his damnedest to try to make things happen offensively, but it's so hard. It's so hard when you're, you're behind like that. And then you, yeah. you know, you try to make big pressure plays and <laughs> it seems like the rest of the guys aren't around to help you. And, you know, Matt Heaton is a great, rugby player but you know he's not really known for offensive plays you know no, he, but he um he was he was unreal in this game man yeah he, uh, uh he led he led rugby atl in tackles with 13 which i mean is never really a surprise yeah massive work rate got around the pitch a lot um in all honesty from a canadian rugby perspective like the canadians did very well in this game. Yeah, Corey Thomas um, did well in the yeah, lineout, and, and he had a couple good strong carries. Corey Thomas probably ran into Matt Heaton a lot because it appears that they were at almost every single ruck. So I would imagine they uh, they hit he, they uh, you know had a couple collisions there. Yeah, him um, playing Corey. Eight and- so um, LA had three breakdown steals. Two of them were by Canadians for uh, the work in the breakdown. So Thomas got one. DTH got one. one. Um, Nathan Den Hoyt got the other one. Um, like it's uh so i'm i mean yeah like as, as a canadian fan like it was it was, it was yeah. cool to see the canadian players show up for this game and yeah. really make an impact um cory thomas at eight is is an interesting prospect because if ardron's not available if you can do it it looks like he can do I'm, it i'm i'm not opposed to like i didn't really see anything from Vicky well, lonnie that said no, keep them in at eight, you know, eight for, think, for think, the qualifiers. I think I like I think, Thomas better as a lock, but I mean, given their situation with Adam Ash being out, that this worked well for LA. And, um, and like as another threat for the lineup for Canada. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that, that gave that's, LA. Like, you look at like I what the Lions, cool, you look at, think, look at what the Springboks are doing, yeah, having like basically I three think, locks in their starting lineup. Like, yeah. That, well, that's, I think that's a good point there because I think that really helped because rugby ATL like their bread and butter is that set piece and like they can smash people with it. And that's, I did find it quite interesting looking at like the tries in the, in the first half, like coming out of the half, it was like, Oh, the two LA tries are just insane offensive plays with like high, like highlight real offense, right? The little, the inside ball, huge line break, the chip kick. Right. And then rugby ATLs try is kick it to the corner. And we're just going to mash you over the line. Um, which I thought, which I thought, which I thought was kind of fun. It was kind of like both teams. I thought both teams played their style, and it was just like, well, LA came out on top this time. Um, so I mean, I thought from from that point, I thought it was, I thought it was a great game, and 
man, it's uh the season's done. It's kind of sad. Celebration looked bananas. Out. Yeah, and there's I mean, what do you mean look? I was gonna say it's you, still happening. I it's yeah, still I happening. Know. It, still, it still looks nuts. I saw the but once I started seeing like the pictures, it's like, oh, the bus to Vegas. I'm like, oh boy. Um yeah, I saw plane tickets. I'm like, oh okay. boy, yeah, there's gonna be a all right. Well, how did you feel about the broadcast as a whole? You know, how okay. you know how the venue looked, the production quality. To me, the broadcast looked good. The, the stadium looked great. They had about 7,000 fans, which is, I was saying this to my wife. She's like, how many people are there? And I'm like, I don't know. And then she's like, like how loud they were. Oh my God. It sounded like there was a lot of people, but that stadium does not do you any favors. Yeah. It, like that, at, like any other venue that it would, the, the, the venue, it would have been sold out. It would have been a sold out game. Oh yeah. But you know, no, oh, yeah, yeah. It lends so well it, to TV in terms being... of its setup because of the fact that it's a famous Coliseum. Tons of broadcasts have been done there. So, yeah, like, I think it I looked think great. The broadcast, yeah, the broadcast looked amazing. Um, the crowd, man, at times was super loud. The rugby DL fans, I don't know how many went down, but shout out to them because you could legit hear like a like the rugby ATL chance yeah. that there were different points during the game. Um, yeah, so I guess what? It's the biggest, the biggest crowd that the MLRs had. Did it hit that record? Um, certainly. Yeah, the, I don't remember the, what the was at in, Ter, uh, yeah. Terrero in, in the 2019. Yeah, um, but either way, man, it's great great to see that that insane crowd. Um, yeah, like I was kind of, and I think, you know, good on the Giltinis too for, I think, stri- like the strategic way that they must have sold tickets to that game. Because when you looked at it from the camera angle, that was showing it it's like like i know that this is an eighty thousand seat stadium but it looked full from the main yeah they did they did pretty well they did a good job of like you know i know there's only like what a what it was it's seven seventy five hundred people something like that yeah like i know there's only seventy five hundred people in an eighty thousand seat stadium um but it looked good on tv it was loud um you know, especially especially like the LA tries, those were like legit like eruptions, um, which was awesome to see. I'm sure, um, I'm sure the Steve Aoki concert at halftime was cool. Um, they, yeah, they didn't really the broadcast didn't really show any of that, so I guess we're not at the uh, I guess we're not at the NFL point. Well, no, because it happened after the game. I thought it happened at halftime. No, because because like did happen. That's what both? I thought too. I but like they it, was it both. Maybe they did both. Maybe they did both. I don't know. It didn't seem like it was at. Anyways, I thought I thought one of the I thought Power High Tower reference that there will that there was a halftime show, but they didn't actually show it during the broadcast. Yeah, I no, I think it. and that because they said well throw it to the halftime show and the halftime show was the recap. Oh, is that maybe? Uh, that's exactly that's why I think. Well, the either way, I'm sure was. I'm sure the crowd had fun. Well, um, I want to talk about that quickly because it's actually really smart because so they were selling tickets for like five, ten dollars, whatever. Yeah. And Corey uh, Mumson from um, Earful Dirt, he's one of the editors there, brought up a great point that like if I'm living in LA and I'm looking for something to do on a Sunday. And I hear there's a Steve Aoki concert and it's ten dollars. Oh, and there's $5. like a rugby game before it. Five dollars. Five dollars? Hell yeah, I'll go to this game. I'll have some drinks, get some food, watch a rugby game, whatever that is. That sounds sweet. I can see Steve Aoki after. And then they partied with like the team was in the the whole thing too. So it's like 
you know, that was a sweet little deal. If you tell me that, like, yeah. well, yeah, I think, you know what? I never felt like a great idea. I, I agree. Like I, I never really thought of that, but yeah, like at the bare minimum, if you're trying to market that in LA, yeah, it's a Steve Aoki concert for $5. Where else are you going to get that? Yeah. Right. Like it's, um, so yeah, that, that is pretty cool. I, I thought it was cool too. Like I'm, I'm not a huge Steve Aoki fan. So I wasn't like freaking out and being super excited about it, but I recognize that he is very famous and there is a lot of people that do enjoy his music. Yeah. So, but I was like, I saw like, yeah, like he was, he put like Instagram posts and tweets about major league rugby up on his feed and stuff. Right. So it's like the he's amount a huge of people... sports fan too. Like I know he's a big Kings fan. Oh, so... is, is he? That's cool. Yeah, He's a um, huge hockey fan. So, you know, oh, is he? I'm... I didn't know that. So yeah, like, yeah, so... but like, but that's cool though. Right. Cause it's like, now you have, oh, like how many, I want to see how, how many Instagram followers does he have? Yeah. I just want to check right now. Well, I want you to ponder on this question. Um, while you're doing that, because I, w- I want to talk about one more thing before we finish this over. He has 9.2 million followers on yeah. Instagram. And, and and yeah, tweeted like a bunch of Twitter Insta like pictures of like the LA Giltinis and stuff up on his thing. So that's cool. That's uh, it's uh, it helps with the reach. I hope. I wonder how many. I wonder if people did that though. I wonder if there's a lot of people in that crowd that have like never been to a rugby game before and were there for a five dollars Steve Aoki concert. I mean, like it or not, part of what the Toronto Wolfpack did with giving away either free or cheap tickets is that I, they pulled people in for free I or cheap, still, and then they had party a party there afterwards. Yeah, I still think free is bad. Yes, and you on, talked about the the I, WWE. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I still I, think three is bad. I at least hey, five dollars. At least you're paying something to get yeah, into the gate. Right. But okay, the Wolfpack never had a Steve Aoki concert at halftime. It's no, a but like a different level of entertainment. It's a comparable example, and we're we're gonna move on because how does this final compare to the other two finals for you? Um, and for me, I think it's it's fun in its own way that like. It just felt like a masterclass performance by LA, you know? And this was, it was a set, like the story's different. Like my favorite final will always be the 2019 final just because of how that game ended. It was so wild. But for me watching this game, it was like, this is Adam Ashley Cooper's last game. Maybe get out's last game. At the time before he announced it, this might've been DTH's last game. This was this is one of those teams that you know it's not going to be together next year, but they're just it just looked like a team of destiny. You never know. <laughs> yeah, you never you know. No, you never but know. The you know the writing on the wall has always been that they're they're not going to be able to run this back with the same team. So we'll it just felt they like they were a team of destiny. They mm-hmm. they went out and they put on this masterclass performance for like a you know huge crowd. It was a party, you know. It's got a very different vibe for me compared to the other two finals where the first one was kind of like, yeah, this is like a fletchling league final and it was fun. And then the next year was like, oh man, this is a close damn game that went to the final play that has in its own right is amazing. And then for me, this game was just, just, you know, I kind of just explained how I felt about it. Yeah, I mean, I love I love this game. I think I think you can maybe just because of how close they were, like the game was, you could probably make an argument of 2019 being a better overall game. Um, but I think as we just kind of talked about the production of this, like this this game was on CBS proper. Um, this game was on TSN two, so you got the national broadcast, yeah, so, national. So it was broadcast. on CBS in 2019. 
Yes, but it wasn't on TSN. It too. wasn't on we TSN. Had, too. We had, what did we have to do? We watched it on like Facebook or something in 2019, I think, right? Yeah, because all their games were, yeah, there's no, yeah, there, there was on so Facebook we had to watch it on YouTube, Facebook. Right? Um, so TSN, big step up. I think having having the game at the Coliseum, it just it just looks better. It just looks better. Um, For sure. On everything. Yeah, Toronto is a beautiful stadium. Yeah. It is but not. It's, yeah, it's not the Coliseum. It just looks better. Um, you know, so it's like the spectacle that they were able to put out because of the location of the game, I thought was great. It makes it look a lot bigger. Um, it's cool that it got on national TV in both countries, TSN two being the alternate feed, but still it's a national channel. And, you know, that was the channel that the arrows played on the whole time. So it was like, that's, you know, that's obviously if you're going to, that's the place to go to catch MLR games in Canada. Right. I think that would be a really cool thing. It was a really cool step forward. And I know this is the championship and I know this is a little bit different, but I do think that would be a cool thing. Like if we could get more than, I think it would be cool if in the future, eventually it's like, you know, more than just the arrows end up on TV up here. Well, I, I saw um, someone someone make the suggestion. I think it's a great idea. Whatever is the CBS game of the week, put it on TSN. Put it on TSN, yeah. That, that's one game. That way the rugby network isn't losing a lot. Like, I can't watch it on the rugby network anyways. Yeah, Let me watch a, it on that TSN. Weird, that, weird CB, yeah, that weird block out that some of the CBS yeah. games are blocked out. Yeah, exactly. If people, you're, if, people, were, people were still using VPNs or something. Yeah, up. exactly. So if, if I can't watch it there... Put it on. Uh, yeah. Now that you've got this relationship started with TSN. Yeah. Yeah. No, arrows no. probably definitely helped. So I, th- I think kind that of respect, divide. I think the other thing too, which I think looked a lot better was the, like the trophy presentation and like the celebration after. Uh, see, I was on my way to a wedding. Oh, so you didn't watch so it. I didn't see that. I just, yeah, I, I watched enough in the car that I'm like, okay, time's off. Yeah. Yeah. Was, my that's wife's fine. Tata. It was like, <laughs> it kind of, it did. It looked, it looked, similar to like you know the other the other big presentations um hockey fans all continue to rip on every sport that hands the trophy to the owner before the players um but you know but other than that it was like they had the stage set up i realized i think i have no idea what adam gilchrist looked like until today i mean i think i saw him in those those yeah, stockbroker like or the, the the new york city uh stock exchange yeah. photos i'm like uh you know, You're the crazy I mean, yeah. guy. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say. I guess he doesn't like that huge public profile or whatever. I realized I had no idea what he. Other than the like. fact that he's named two teams after. Yeah, himself. I know. Yeah, what? If, yeah, exactly. He's named <laughs> two teams after him, but apparently he does doesn't like uh, to be. And seen. One of them's already trying to back away from that by going AG rugby. Um, no, they were using AG rugby from the get go. They were using it from the get go. I know, but like, like the initial the... press release. That's why the logo was AG from the beginning. Um, but. But yeah, like the presentation looked good. Like the confetti, like you said, a little bit of a party on the pitch after. Um, the players showing like the locker room videos, it looked just like any other major professional sports yeah. team just won a championship. Like, you know, all the, the locker rooms all taped up and stuff. I wonder how folks sounds like some of the international guys like felt seeing this. Like, you know, I, you yeah. know, they didn't really show a lot from the like the spring box final. Like they they're all they're all pissed drunk and, and bungees anyways by the end of it. <laughs> like this was yeah you're right this was a very much an american celebration yeah no and and, and I, think, I think that's kind of what you need um i think i think that's kind of what you need like but you know it's like it was cool to see like guys, guys kind of prating around the shield and stuff and but like i think i think it's 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 awesome that i i thought it, it was the actual 
like, cause if we're talking about that product and stuff, like this was like the most, I guess, professional looking game. Yeah. I agree with I, you wholeheartedly. Right. I think you could argue that 2019 was a better especially game. LA really pulled pitch. away. So there was a little bit, uh, it was a little bit less dramatic. I'm not going to yeah. say it, it wasn't a bad game by any stretch of the imagination. It was a little bit less dramatic because LA did pull away. Um, and then, you know, there's a consolation try at the end, but LA by uh, Ross. Oh, what's a 2019 final? But LA kind of pulled away, right? But so a little bit less dramatic. Yeah. But okay. But I mean, I, I thought like the, the actual product, man, it was, it was unreal. It looked, it looked great. And um, even the other thing surrounding it, I know they did um, the live MLR kickoff podcast and a couple of the other things too, right? So um, they, they looked like they went all out on uh, making it look as like yeah. top class as possible. Well, Derek, I think that's where we're going to probably end it tonight. We've talked a lot about a lot of things. Um, as the Rugby Canada situation kind of unravels as it is currently, we will try to update you folks on what's going on. Um, head to LaRouge Rugby on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and we will try to update things as things go along. Twitter is probably the best for our updates on that news. And follow Derek on uh, Brissette the Jet. He has got the finger on the pulse on a lot of this stuff, whether he likes it or not. <laughs> um, and you know what? In the next couple of weeks, we've got some exciting stuff to talk about before we probably go on a little bit of a break. Um, you know, we've got uh, the MLR draft in a little bit. Uh, next week, we will be looking at kind of the season as a whole. Who do we like? You know, what what do teams need to do in the offseason? Kind of whole kind of putting a tidy bow on MLR 2021. And we want our good friends to do there to kind of talk about that stuff as well. So um, follow us on social media. Follow us on all the podcasting streaming platforms, YouTube. We really appreciate it, guys. And just love each other. We're all here supporting a, a, a game with an odd shape ball. Just enjoy it. <laughs>